Well, thanks again to Scott and Teresa for just setting the, setting the stage for this morning. Welcome again, everyone, to the Hope Collective. We're excited to take a moment to worship with you this morning. Uh, I would just love to take some moment, a moment to pray over our gathering. We, we say around here that we gather to glorify, and we believe that God is most glorified when we begin to see the things of his heart happen in our lives. And so I would love for you, let's all stand together across this place. We're going to take some moments to lift up his name and praise as a community, as a people of faith, believing that he's going to do something great within this body of people today. So Lord, we pray that you would place your hand on this gathering, that you'd cover each and every soul that's present in here. Uh, God, with favor and grace, God, would you give us revelation of who you are, of what you're doing in this place? Would you remind us, God, of what you do when we step into your presence? God, we long that you'd be glorified and put first and magnified and, and, and just um, that you'd have total reign over this morning, God. We wanna praise your name with everything that's within us. lift our song of praise today. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. Oh, my Savior, that cursed tree.
Today that is our cry, that is our charge, that we would fix our eyes upon the one who brings hope, upon the one who brings peace and brings joy in the midst of even the craziest of circumstances. And so today, let's withhold nothing. Let's step in his presence boldly, giving him all the worth, all the praise and honor deserves. Let this moment be about this community glorifying his name and putting him first. Let's let just the voices sing. Oh, praise the name with all we have. Sing it out. itself here on earth becomes our priority, God, then you would be glorified not just with our songs, God, but with our lives. We believe that as we step into your presence, God, you renew commitments, God, to, to let our lives be transformed more and more into your likeness and into your image. And God, we're just so grateful that we could sing that song today that reminds us of why we can be grateful. Because we have a Savior that gave himself that we could be free, that bondage would not have power over us, that chains would not have power over us, but instead we can sit here a free people, a children of God, who are beloved by their Father. God, would you speak to us and pour out your heart today? It's in his name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I just wanted to read from the Word of God this morning. I'm John uh, Diamond, if anyone didn't know me. Uh, you will now. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm reading from Matthew 6, 24. Uh, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. It is not life, or is not life more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, 
by worrying can add a single hour to his life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Is that, uh, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of God. excited over these next few months and years as we get to gather together to hear different ones of you read from the word that will be spoken about each day as we gather together. I don't know if you noticed, but I want to bring attention to it. The cards on your seat were very strategic. Our heart's desire when we come into this place isn't that we only posture ourselves to receive from God but that we posture ourselves to give glory to him. And so we put the cards on the seats to be able to say, write something today that the praise you're about to give, where it comes from, this gratitude, this thankfulness, this adoration to say, God, I am praising you today because of this. We could fill that, how many could fill that card out? Yeah, it's been some tough times, but when it comes to what God is doing and has done, I could write lists and that changes the way that I worship him. On the other side of it, we want you to understand that we are not individuals coming to worship God. We are his church. We are a community of saints who gather together not to sing about me, but to sing about us, to sing about him. And so we're directing that to him. God in his faithfulness drops his blessing on us, his presence on us, fills us in the places that we need filled most. But that's how we want to be postured. We gather on Sundays to glorify God because he's worthy, because he deserves it, and because he is God. And if I walk away from here and that's all I had a chance to do, it was enough. Because God blesses all the time. Good to have you with us. Uh, if you're watching online today or in the room, it is good to be back together in 2021. Isn't it? It's important that we come together and do what we're doing today. And so we, we want to take this opportunity to maybe direct our hearts. We're living in a time when our hearts need to be directed the right way. Would you agree? We thought 2021, everything would change and be great. Because it's a new year, right? Everything's back. It's a reset. And none of the things that happened in the year before are happening. And yet we know that's not true. Matter of fact, it's all still happening. And it may happen in ways we never dreamed it would in 2021. 
And so how would God ask us to respond as his kids? Did you know that as people who love Jesus and follow Jesus, our response actually needs to look different than the response of the world that we live in? Okay, five of you are convinced. Let's try it again. (laughs) Did you know that as followers of Jesus, I'm literally saying it verbatim again, as followers of Jesus who love Jesus, our response needs to look dramatically different than the way the world around us responds today. There it is. Welcome back. (laughs) This is participatory. I don't want to jump off the stage and bring a mic and have you answer that way, okay? But we could. I'm kidding. I grew up with this incredible awareness that God was real from a young age. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with parents that were first-generation Christians. They loved Jesus. There was no questioning it. God had done great things in their life, saved them from so much, and he was their Lord. And I had no trouble believing that God was who he says he was and would do what he says he's going to do from a young age. Yeah, I had some rebellious moments, but I just didn't struggle with the fact that God is real, which means I also didn't struggle with the fact that there is a devil. There is an enemy of your soul and my soul. And what that means is that there are two kingdoms in this world. There is the kingdom of God where God is at work. And there is the kingdom of the devil where he is at work. And you are in one of the other or both. Which James calls double-mindedness. And understanding that is important because to the degree that you are in one kingdom or the other, either fully in God's kingdom or headed there, or fully in the kingdom of this world, the devil's kingdom, or straddling the two. I grew up with record players. Anybody else? They're making a comeback, actually, the vinyl, right? And the analogy is you get one foot in the kingdom of the enemy and one foot in the kingdom of God, and it's like a record player. If you put one foot and you're off balance and you fall and you crash and burn. It doesn't work, but it also means it will be the level of your fear. It will be the depth of your despair. It will be whether hope exists or not to the degree that you are either fully in the kingdom of God or living in the kingdom of the God of this age, who is the devil. And I want us to be fully aware of that because as we just heard the word of God, he is saying, listen, you are going to fixate on worry and anxiety and fear, wanting all of these things. But if you will seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness I'll give you those things that you're freaking out about right now. I'll take care of those things that you're freaking out about right now. And so as we dive in, I kind of wanted you to have that. The present-day kingdom of God is the spiritual realm in which God's rule is actually acknowledged. More by his people, but God is revealing himself to this world through his people, through us. If you had to define the kingdom of God, this is how I would define it. It is God's rule and reign. We have talked about the kingdom of God before here when we did a series on kingdom over everything. Everything. You mean even my family? Everything. You mean my job? Everything. You mean the things I want? Everything. Are you with me? You mean my health? Everything. Kingdom over everything. And so it is what God's doing. It is God at work. That is the kingdom of God. And I want you to have that in your mind as we keep going. It is not aligned with any government or any country. Pause. Okay, I'll say it again. Thank you. It is not aligned with any government or any country. Opposing the kingdom of God is the domain of darkness, 
ruled by Satan, resulting in perpetual spiritual warfare that affects every person. Just because you walk in the kingdom of God does not mean that the enemy isn't focused on taking you out. Matter of fact, he's not quite concerned with those who live according to the world, but he is massively fearful of those who live for Jesus. And so he's going to take us out. But it is not aligned with any government or any country, and so I'm going to share this with you, and you need to hear this, every one of us. Followers of Christ must realize that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, will never be fully realized through worldly governments or carnal politics, but rather through the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Period. And according to the Bible, we can tell what the fruits of this type of godly kingdom look like because it's joy, great joy, peace that passes all understanding. Why are you so peaceful? Because I'm a child of God and I know God has me. Self-control, charity, grace, forgiveness, justice, hope, love. I mean, the list goes on. The representation of the kingdom. You'll be able to look at someone and say, you must be part of God's kingdom by how in which we live our lives. So when Christians co-opt their faith by injecting political agendas, Jesus' example of freedom is exchanged for control. His hope is exchanged for fear. His love is exchanged for hate. And his divinity is exchanged for idolatry. I'll say it again. When Christians co-opt, mingle their faith by injecting political agendas, and it's not, I'm not saying that it's, not, it's wrong for us to vote, to be engaged, to speak up for what we believe. Not what I'm saying. But when we mix those, injecting political agendas, Jesus' example of freedom is exchanged for control, and his hope is exchanged for fear, his love is exchanged for hate, and his divinity is exchanged for idolatry. Christians are called to prioritize God over everything. Elected officials over everything. Political parties over laws, and even our own self-interest in doing this is often irrational. <laughs> and nearly always countercultural. But that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's what it means to be kingdom over everything. I am an alien just passing through this world. This is not my home. And I'm looking forward to the day, may it be tomorrow, or today that I get to go be with Jesus forever. Amen. The New Testament writers, including Jesus, use these phrases, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, over 80 times in the New Testament. So it's not a minor topic. Matter of fact, Jesus opens his ministry with it in Mark, and he closes his ministry with it in Acts. The kingdom of God is at the top of Jesus' list. It is what he is bringing when he comes. It's not a minor topic, but a major emphasis of Jesus and the New Testament writers. And yet it is not talked about much in churches and not well understood. We talked about it. We did it a little bit around it. But we ought to fixate on the kingdom of God. If you're sitting here and you're going, I'm not quite sure if I can describe that, explain that. Then there's a thing called Google. Search. Anybody know that? Anybody utilize that a lot? Punch in kingdom of God. And just begin to let it fill your heart. It's hard to get it wrong. 
Why not? Why, why are we not so burst in this and understand this and wake up every morning and this is what we live for? Because of the spiritual warfare that we just mentioned. See, the enemy, Satan, we'll call him who he is, tries to keep the most important topics in Scripture wrapped in mystery and neglect, even in the churches. Because he doesn't want you fully invested in the kingdom. He wants you a part of your part of one foot in the in the kingdom, but a part of your foot in the other kingdom. The kingdom of me. Ooh, that'll preach. Versus the kingdom of God. And he's actually okay, matter of fact, more okay that you're divided because that double-mindedness will actually destroy you. You think, we think, I'll put myself with you, that by having one foot devoted to the kingdom of God and one foot devoted to the kingdom of this world, that we're living in some kind of blessing. But that foot in that kingdom is robbing the blessing that is in this one. It's just taking it. And you know, we don't even know it. We're growing cold to the Lord, and we don't even realize our hearts are hardening. This is big. If we don't understand the kingdom of God, we won't be able to understand the events in our world. We'll have trouble discerning between truth and falsehood and thus open to deception. But when we understand and see the kingdom, when we enter the kingdom, then we'll find our true purpose in this life which is expanding the kingdom, which is why Jesus taught us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because you see, in heaven, God is in complete and total rule. But here on earth, love necessitates that you have a choice. And so he gives you a choice for this season. But that season will come to a close in the kingdom of God will be fully established, but right now we get to live in it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just getting started. In response, our mission as the church is to expand God's kingdom during this time through our proclamation of the gospel, the good news, that God is who he says he is and does what he says he's going to do. We get in dumb arguments, we should just start talking about Jesus. I mean, you're going to push people off with the argument, you might as well push them off with Jesus. I don't understand it. This is the greatest time right now to talk about Jesus. He's actually better than the argument. Through the proclamation of the good news and our actions, which make God's rule and reign in our life visible to the rest of the world. See, the way the world knows that God's rule and reign is active in your life is by your actions, your everyday walking around actions. Whew. Say Amen. Or oh me. Didn't say anything else. Man, that's, that's hitting me. God, I don't want any part of my life in the kingdom of this world. Nothing. What are we making visible to the rest of the world? Well, if you live in the kingdom of God, you're making the rule and reign of God visible to the rest of the world. Why are you the way you are in the midst of so much difficulty? Because... God, I'm in God's rule and reign. I'm like you living in his kingdom right now. And it's beautiful. And so 2020 was a gift. It was hard. But suffering is hard. We need the theology of suffering in the church, in the West. Because it's in suffering that God builds the endurance of our faith. Our faith gets exposed in suffering. Oh, I want to talk about so much right now. Yeah. So we're, we're called to be. Here it is. You ready? What's going to carry us through 2021? 
kingdom-mindedness. That we be people who are of the kingdom of God. Kingdom-minded people. No matter what comes, kingdom-minded. See, I say it again, I have to. Because the alternative is to be double-minded or just fully walk away from the kingdom of God. And I have to tell you, the best place is to be in the kingdom of God. The worst place is to be devilly-minded. It's destructive not just to you, but to so many in our world that is looking for Christians to actually look like Christ. And they're struggling to see that. I believe it was Gandhi who said, I love your Christ. I just don't, can't stand, I just, I can't stand your Christians. Well, guess what? We're not perfect. But we're serving a very perfect God who is making us into the image of his son. And we focus on God's kingdom by concentrating on accomplishing God's mission in the world. You want to know how do I focus on God's kingdom? You do it by accomplishing his mission in the world. We know we can't do this alone, and it's not a one person or even one church's job. So what does it look like for each of us to be kingdom-minded? Well, here's what it looks like. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to just give you a massive brain shift that's going to help us as a church really fast. And I may not get to the rest of my notes. Ah, it's okay. I've had nine months to prepare for this. It's only 30 pages of notes. Listen to me. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He did not say. We were processing this as a bunch of guys just sitting around talking about Jesus. Do you have a bunch of guys or ladies that you just or couples that you just sit around and talk about Jesus with? Oh, it's so fun. And we're talking about Jesus, and we started processing this. Jesus didn't call me to be a pastor who is a fisher of men, or a father who is a fisher of men, or a husband who is a fisher of men, or an accountant who is a fisher of men, or a tattoo artist who is a fisher of men, or a business owner who is a fisher of men, or a jewelry maker who is a fisher of men. He didn't do that. He didn't say, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He didn't say, you are fishermen who are going to be fisher of men. Here, get this. This is the shift. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men who happen to be accountants, lawyers, business owners, tattoo artists, dads, mothers, husbands, wives. See, one day we need to wake up and realize that our prime directive isn't go to our job. Our prime directive is fish for men, fish for women. It's gender inclusive. That we wake up every day as followers of Jesus with the mission of God in mind that he is making all things do and we join what he is doing in this world. We come alongside of people to love on them and to show them Jesus. That's our prime directive. And if you just happen to get to being a dad, if you just happen to get to being a husband or a wife, if you just happen to get to being a lawyer or an accountant or a business owner, great! Well, you're a fisher of man before anything else. It defines us. That's how we grow the kingdom. Jesus no longer a value-add proposition to our American dream. Sometimes we get so busy fighting for our rights that we forget our kingdom responsibilities. We get so busy fighting that we forget that the other person that thinks differently than I do needs Jesus as much as I do and might be the only person that they're going to see Jesus through. 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Can we talk about this word seek for just a second? Because it's really important. Jesus himself said that we should seek the kingdom of God. Is there anybody in the room that just would rather hide than seek? Participatory, okay? You're not going to be, nobody's going to hurt you if you raise your hand or, or join in. Is there anybody in the room that would rather hide than seek? How many just love to seek? Like you love to go find people, you love the challenge. How many of you just don't care to play hide and seek anymore at all because it hurts? That's totally fine too. In Matthew 6, it states, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Be kingdom-minded is what Jesus is saying. It seems that once we obtain this, the other things of life that we worry about, that we fear, that we get all caught up in will fall into place. And so he says, seek it. Don't seek all of those things that we're all fixated on, worried about, fearing about, wondering what's going to happen. Uh -uh. Seek first the kingdom. Seek it. only seek something if you know it's lost he's saying seek first the kingdom so the kingdom must have been lost it was lost in the garden and sin has had its has its season in our world and on humanity and we have lost what it means to live in the kingdom but Jesus comes to restore the kingdom and brings it back and so God's saying hey it's going to be really hard because you live in a world where there's a lot of distraction and a lot of allure. But are you going to seek it? Do you even realize that it's been lost? Did you even know you got to go find it? Did you? And, and here's the crazy thing. Have you ever lost a dollar? Yeah, I mean, that doesn't register on the radar, does it? Lost a dollar? How many of you lose a dollar? Now, not talking to the money conscious in here, just really good with money and your penny pinchers. That would have been my mom. She would have tore the house apart for a dollar. But you lose a dollar and you go, eh, it's a dollar. How many of you have been walking and see a dollar on the ground and go, it's a dollar. Not even worth bending over and picking up. You know what I'm saying? I'm actually in a Starbucks just recently and walking and it's laying there and I'm like, eh, it's a dollar. But I've lost a hundred. Anybody lost a roll of hundreds? It changes the dynamic of the loss. All of a sudden, it's tear the house apart. I've been to the car five times, and I can't. I've looked through all of my clothes. I've looked through my pockets. I have torn this place apart. Why? I want you to hear this, and I need you to get this. When you realize that it's lost, you will look for it if it is of value. The size of the value will determine the passion with which you seek that lost object. <sighs> okay, get ready. The degree that you are seeking the kingdom of God in your life, in your family's life, is the degree you understand its value. <sighs> okay, we could stop, full stop right matter of fact, we will. How many of you would say, and this isn't condemnation, this isn't shame, this isn't guilt. Nope, this is awareness. God, I don't understand fully the value of the kingdom in my life. Raise your hand. 
So God, I just pray right now for every person that raised a hand, and even the ones that didn't who just aren't self-aware. And that's some of us. I mean, I think I have a pretty good understanding of the kingdom, but I'm learning new things every day about you, about your kingdom, about where you want that to, to set me free in my life. I just pray right now in this space, in this moment, God, that you would place within us, because you can, a want and a desire and a longing to know and grow the kingdom of God in our lives, to chase it, to seek it. Any place where we're living in the kingdom of this world, Satan's domain, we would chase down Jesus and his kingdom because he's the king of the kingdom. God put a passion in us if it's not there, a desire in us if it's not there to go understand the kingdom of God, which is the rule and reign in this earth until the day when it will be perfected. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's be honest. When we glance at the general condition of Christians, we do not find many people seeking this special kingdom. I have a unique perspective as a pastor to watch how everybody, a lot of different people responded over this last year. And it was a blast in my life and your life to see us put the kingdom first. And then to watch when I didn't or you didn't or we didn't put that kingdom first. And to go, oh God. When we glance at the general condition of Christians, we do not find many people seeking this special kingdom. Christians are busy seeking so many other things. That includes happiness our purpose, riches, power, acceptance, public standing, to be right. And the list goes on. Yet, this is not in line with Christ's command. Seek first the kingdom. In all of these things. Because when you seek first the kingdom, you actually don't need to be right. You just need him to be seen. Seek. And I'm going to do first, and then I'm going to push this one off to next week. Because <laughs> i got a lot I want to say. Can we do that? Can we like to be continued at the moment when it's the most intense, and everybody in this room goes, well, i got to come back next week. First. First. Now, right away, right away, listen to me. This, this is true. This is what we do because we're doers. It's the Beatitudes, not the do-attitudes. But we're doers. First, I need you to hear this. This is not an order of things. I'm giving God more time than I'm going to give everything else. That's actually not a reality. But you can give everything else to God. And let them exist in Him. First means first in everything. First, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now listen, he goes on to say, seek first. If the Lord of all creation tells you to do something first, Jesus, these are his words, don't you think you should do it first? My mom, who is not God, close, told me to do something first before 
I did other things. I learned that if I didn't do that first, that when your dad gets home, he's coming. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's going to be home. Oh, boy. There was some... Can you sit in next service and just do that? <laughs> if you don't do it first, first things first. How many Christians are seeking the kingdom first? How many Christians are kingdom-minded? Let's return then to the question, what is the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Maybe if we understand this and realize that we have lost it, it could become our life priority again, which will only happen when we abide in Jesus. You don't look like someone unless you spend time with them. And you don't look like someone if you're always the one talking when you spend time with them. I'm going to help you right now. So what we're going to do, let me tell you what we're going to do next week. Can I do that? I'm going to do this. This is what we're going to do next week. The Beatitudes are foundational attributes of a kingdom-minded citizen. And being a citizen of heaven is embodied in the attributes of the Beatitudes. So we're going to go through them. And we're going to show, we're going to talk about what a kingdom-minded person looks like. And here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to go do them. But we're going to go put ourselves daily in proximity of God. And we're going to bring our prayers that we've learned to pray, asking him for things. We're going to learn to see those as a way of unburdening ourselves with the things that would distract us in the moment. God already knows them before you pray them. So God, I got this going on and this going on. I wish this person would stop acting that way. And this person needs healed. And I got all of these things that I know you can do. And I'm dependent upon you to do them. Not my will, but your will be done. <sighs> okay, now can we just sit and think about your love? Can we just sit and think about your grace? Can we just sit in this moment and think about your mercy? And the Holy Spirit shows up and begins to show you things you did not know. And we dive into his word and we begin to see things we did not see. And we hang with brothers and sisters in Christ and I say, I got it, Jay. I got to show you what I, God showed me about mercy. And he says, boy, that's crazy. God was showing me something similar. <sighs> Kingdom-minded people will only become kingdom-minded people if they spend time with the king. And it's worth but I'd rather put my effort there and all the stupid, awful behavior modification, religious garbage that we put our energy into trying to get God to love us. <laughs> he loves you. He loves you. And he's calling you to himself. He's calling you to the kingdom. And you will act and look and respond differently in this day. And the world will look on and say, what's going on? God, I pray in this moment pray that our adoration for you will grow. That when we think about who you are and what you've done, from Old Testament to New Testament, the God of Israel, the God of his people, who called us all to himself. For he so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. That whoever would believe, oh God, I pray 
that if our hearts have been turned to you, we would see that not as the end, but the beginning of a kingdom journey on earth as it is in heaven. And so we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I want you to stand with us. I just realized I gave you a cue and I cut my notes in half. As you take those cards, as you take who Jesus has been for you this last year, as you take your understanding of your God from the Holy Spirit within you, from scripture, from what you've learned being with the people of God, as you take those things, it ought to send your worship that way, not ask for worship to come this way. It should satisfy you enough to give him in this moment a little bit of what he so amazingly gave us. And it should be enough to walk out and say, God, did you like what I gave you today? Not, did you like the service or not? This is our moment to glorify him. And so we come to do that. Let's lift his name.
this moment, would you tear down everything that stands between you and us? Let every idol fall. Let the other things that receive our worship fade away, God, as you take your rightful place in our hearts and in our lives. We fix our eyes on you. Show us your glory, let 
more time as our prayer show us. We sing, show us your glory, show us your glory. And wonder and surrender, we fall down. Show us your glory, show us your glory. God, let every heart be holy and set apart, a space that you occupy. God, as we declare Christ to be magnified in us, what we long to see, God, is that you would be what people see when they look at our lives. When they speak with us in conversations, in meetings, in classrooms, in families, God, let Christ be magnified. God, show us your glory so we might know what it looks like for you to overflow out of our lives. Jesus, be magnified in us. We celebrate you today. We're grateful that we've had this time in your presence to put you in your rightful place, God. We know you're on the throne. We know that you continue to join us in this community. And so we continue to say, have your way. We wanna celebrate you, not just in this space, but in every place that we occupy this week, God. So bind us together as a community, as a people, and let Christ be magnified in us. Amen. 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 Yeah. Do it, Lord. Will you go ahead and take a seat for one last moment? as we close out our time together. If you are a guest with us this morning, joining us online for the first time or right here in the room, a very special welcome to you. We are so glad that you spent time with us today. And we have some instructions on the screen for you. We would love to connect with you. And if you are here in the room with us, be sure to stop by the Welcome Center on your way out. We're gonna take this last moment together to be generous and to give. And we do this because we believe God is at work, his kingdom is coming, and we are part of it. So you can follow the instructions on the screen, or you may give. Um, the ushers will have buckets by the doors as you exit the auditorium this morning. And let's pause and pray over these gifts and for our week ahead together. Father, we are yours, and we open our hands to give to you now in this moment to acknowledge that all that we have is yours and we want to be part of your kingdom that has been inherited because we are your kids. So as your children, God, we open our hands and give. We give our finances to you, God, and we give this week to you that you will use us, that you will make us aware of your presence, aware of our idols, aware of how you are moving so that we can join you. So we give ourselves to you as a collective, as a family, as a group, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week.